0: Welcome to Desert City Church's podcast. Thanks for listening in. What you are about to hear is a sermon given live at one of our Sunday gatherings. We ask that you would take a moment and reflect on the context in which this message was given. We are a new church serving in neighborhoods on the edge of North Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. Here we are seeking to practice the way of Jesus together, joining God in His renewing work. Our sermons are ongoing conversations around a sacred text or scripture in which we find the story of Jesus. We are not perfect people, and we do not have all of the answers. We believe these teachings are formational to our lives as we seek to become more like Christ and love people in these neighborhoods. We hope they inspire you to love God and others more. If we can serve you in any way or answer any questions about our community, please don't hesitate to ask. You can find out more information at DesertCityChurch.com. Uh, So we've been kind of going through the Sermon on the Mount, and I want to start in chapter six, verse nine today, and I'll start reading. Jesus is speaking, and he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Walter Wink, the author, tells a story of uh, a group of Polish Christians about 10 years after uh, World War II. And uh, there were a couple peacemakers who uh, had gone into Europe and they're trying to reconcile and bring about some sort of uh, peace in the midst of a devastated Europe. The two two peacemaker, peacemakers are, are working in Western Germany and there's this group of Christians in Western Germany uh, who say that they wanna reach out to the church in Poland and they, they wanna go to the Polish Christians and, and, and ask for forgiveness. For everything that had happened under uh, the church's role in Nazi Germany, or in the church's watch, how, how, how Nazi Germany became this monster. And uh, so they go to Poland uh, with these peacemakers, and they sit down and, and, and say, we want to ask for forgiveness. And the Polish Christians that are in the room kind of listen uh, to their plea. And one of the Poles stands up, and he, and he says, there, there is no way we can forgive you for what has happened. That would would be impossible. He said, every rock in Warsaw is covered with Polish blood because of what you've done. There's just no way, no way that we can forgive. After uh, a long conversation, they decided uh, to part ways. And as they decided to part ways, they decided to, to pray the Lord's Prayer. And together they prayed, our Father in heaven, hallowed it be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven. And the story goes that the room goes silent at these words. Both sides stop the prayer. And there's this tension that mounts in the room as they get to this part of the prayer. And the same Paul who spoke up and said, This would be impossible to forgive you, speaks up. And he says, As I read this prayer, I'm reminded that we have to forgive you. He says, If we don't forgive you, we cannot pray this, our Father. Again, if we are not able to forgive you, we cannot call ourselves Christians. And he said, It's impossible for us to forgive you, but by God's strength, we're going to try. And what we find is they part ways, and the Western German Christians go back to the church uh, where they're from. The Polish church uh, goes back and kind of reports. And about 18 months later, they come together in Western Germany, and they start this relationship working towards forgiveness. And there's still a great relationship to this day. Forgiveness, forgiveness is a powerful thing. And as we've been talking through the Sermon on the Mount, um, as I've been preparing for this sermon, uh, preparing for this month, this series, I've, I've read through the Sermon on the Mount a lot And there's all sorts of different things I wanted to speak on. Uh, And the Sermon on the Mount is large. But I would come to this part of the Lord's Prayer and I would stop. Forgiveness. And I couldn't get past that. And as I thought about what we need as a community, what our world needs is a church, a group of people that are willing to forgive. And forgiveness is... Not easy. Forgiveness is challenging. And then you come across this verse that says, if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. And my thought is, what is going on here? What does Jesus mean by this? And it it almost stings to read it. And is this theological concept that we have to understand to receive? Forgiveness of God. And so I thought, let's, let's explore this idea of forgiveness, because that's a pretty heavy statement by Jesus. And what we find is that forgiveness, forgiveness uh, fuels the vision for the kingdom of God. As Jesus is talking to his followers, and he's talking about this idea of the vision, uh, his vision for the kingdom of God uh, that is that is here, now, and a future destination. Forgiveness fuels that vision. What we also find is that love is this distinguishing mark of Christians. God is love. We want to be people who love each other. How do we get there? We get there by forgiveness. And so what I want to talk about today, I don't think is going to be anything new. It's not teaching something new that you haven't heard. But my hope is it's a reminder for all of us about what we already know when it comes to forgiveness. A reminder of what Jesus calls us to as his people in this world. So just to explore forgiveness, there's two words uh, in the Greek that are used for forgiveness. And I love to go through these word studies because I think they help paint a picture of what this original language meant. But throughout the New Testament, we find two words, two words for forgiveness. The first is charizomai, and the second is aphiomai. Chrysomai means to show favor or un- unconditionally, and then remit a debt. Ephiomai means uh, it, it's been interpreted different ways in the New Testament. It means to leave, to suffer, to forsake, to put in motion, and to forgive. So there's these two concepts that are found in the New Testament about forgiveness. Chrysomai is used 23 times. Ephiomai is used 143 times throughout the New Testament. And they both mean forgiveness, but fiamai has this action of of leaving or forsaking something. And when Jesus is talking about forgiveness, he uses this word, fiamai, to leave or forsake something. Fiamai basically means to send away, to send away, and was used to indicate the legal repayment or cancellation of a debt or the granting of a pardon. It is used in scripture also to refer to God's forgiveness of sins. When Jesus is talking about forgiveness, it's this idea of a cancellation of a debt, the sending away, granting a pardon. Jesus says, forgive others as you have been forgiven. This idea of forgiveness, I think, is is radical. It's a radical idea. It requires uh, a certain kind of death to do it, and it 's also this defining characteristic of our God. I would say that forgiveness is divine. Forgiveness is something that is divine it 's something that God has done for us. These words in Micah 718 and 19 say, "Who is a God like you who pardons sin?" and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us, and you will treat our sins, tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions? God is a forgiving God. As we start to understand forgiveness, we start to understand that this is an act of the divine. Um, I, uh, I like to pretend like I'm a jogger. I like to try to run. And so two or three times a week, um, late at night after the kids go to bed, I tell Marcy I'm going for a run. And I try to get like three to five miles in. And I run for like a mile, and then I just walk. I, like end up walking the rest of the way. And my knees always hurt. My feet always hurt. Um... But I like to jog. It's enjoyable. I think jogging is pretty popular in our culture. A lot of people jog. A lot of people like to go running. Um, it's something that, uh, I don't know, it kind of shows that like, you're, you're fit, you're in shape, you care about your health and exercising. Um, jogging, wasn't the, that's not the case for jogging in the time of Jesus. People wouldn't just go out and go jogging. In fact, in the time of Jesus, if you are running, um, that, that's probably not a good thing. It probably means that you're in danger. And if you think about, in the time of Jesus, how people would just kind of walk everywhere. They would get a lot of exercise just from walking. They couldn't get in their car and open up their garage and drive to Starbucks and get, you know, a mocha, orange mocha frappuccino and then drive to work and then sit in an office. They would, they would have to walk anywhere. And uh, so they probably didn't really go out and just start jogging and exercising. Just normal people. And in fact, in Jesus' day, uh, depending on uh, how, how senior you were in the community, uh, it, was, it was kind of known that the more prestigious you are, the, the slower you would go from place to place. You wouldn't walk, or you wouldn't run. You would, you would walk somewhere. Uh, it, it's really interesting to think about jogging because one of the stories that is probably most famous of Jesus' teachings about forgiveness is about a father who runs. runs. The running father. This is a story that would be really familiar for all of you you probably know as the prodigal son. The story of this father who has two children, two sons. Uh, One of the sons decides that he wants his father's inheritance and he wants to leave the house, which is basically in this time period saying like, I hope, I wish that you were dead because the inheritance comes after the death of the father. And this young son says, I want my inheritance now, which means he values his father's money more than the relationship with his father. And he takes the inheritance and we know as the story goes, he, he goes and he goes into like Las Vegas, and he spends it all and on gambling and all sorts of pleasure. And before you know it, he has no money left. And as he has no money left, he finds himself in a pigsty eating the food of the pigs, and he at some point has this realization that he had it pretty good in the house of his father, and he decides to go back and ask for forgiveness. And his hope is just that the father would make him just a servant, not even even bring him back as a son, but just as a servant. He has no idea how his dad is going to react to his actions. And what we find is when there's this moment of reconciliation, Jesus says that the father runs to meet his son. He runs. He becomes completely undignified, and pursues his son when he sees him coming. It doesn't matter that the son had wished him to basically be dead. It doesn't matter that the son had taken everything that he had worked for and just wasted it. The father runs to forgive the son. This is what God is like. This God who becomes a dignified for us, The story of the gospel, of, of the story throughout scripture is this God who comes down to earth, becomes a human, and allows himself to be crucified on a cross to bring about forgiveness of all of our brokenness. This is a God who loves us. This is a father who runs after us. Forgiveness is this divine act that God has done For us. Forgiveness is also difficult. It's a difficult thing to do. Now, there's some forgiveness is easy. Like if someone cuts you off in traffic, you have this moment of rage, but then it's okay. Or if someone's like late for work and you had a meeting, like those kind of things are easy to forgive. But then there's different things that are extremely difficult to forgive. When people really hurt you, when they hurt something inside of your soul, when you've been wounded, that's a different kind of forgiveness. When you look at the stages of forgiveness, the four stages is: uh, we hurt, then we hate, and then we heal, and then we come back together. We hurt, we hate, we heal, and we come back together. And every single stage is extremely challenging to get hurt by somebody. The pain that comes from that, the emotional toll that that takes when you're hurt. And when you have a wound that's raw, like everything, every kind of conversation that you have, you're not able to process it because you're so hurt. There's this energy that's taken from you. Oftentimes that leads to bitterness. We end up hating the world or people or the person that has done this thing to us. We go through this process of bitterness and hate. And then at some point, there's this healing that comes. Over time, and oftentimes counseling, there's this healing that can come, and that's exhausting. It's exhausting to heal from a great hurt. And then there's this moment of coming back together with the person. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well, the four stages of forgiveness. Forgiveness is extremely difficult if you've ever gone through the process. And I've come to the understanding that forgiveness is always uh, harder than sermons make it out to be. Right? And so it's one thing to talk about forgiveness, it's another thing to enter into the process of forgiving someone who's hurt you. The two challenges I think I face personally when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to those who have hurt me. One is forgiving someone who doesn't realize they hurt you. And so maybe this thing happened and they are just moving on or they don't care. And you're trying to forgive someone that has no idea that they've hurt you. That's a difficult thing to do. The other thing is forgiving someone who you know will hurt you again. And there's this pattern of them wounding you over and over again. And we'll talk about kind of how do we process that. Lewis Smedes wrote uh, a great book on forgiveness, but he says, it takes one person to forgive, but it takes two people to be reunited. And what I want to talk about is our, dealing with our own forgiveness. Dealing with our own forgiveness. We say that forgiveness is not for the person who hurt us. It's not for the person who hurt us. Uh, Lewis Smith says, Part of the reluctance to forgive, I suspect, is due to the misunderstanding that the purpose of forgiveness is for the benefit of the one who wronged us. We don't want the person who hurt us to gain anything, so instead of forgiving them, we harbor bitterness. But forgiveness isn't for them. It's for us. Lewis points out, The first and often only person to be healed by forgiveness is the person who does The forgiveness. The Christians in Poland found that out. When the Christians in Poland decide to forgive the Germans, it's not, they don't do that as a gift for the Germans, but they do that for their own soul. They realize there's this letting go, and I think that's one thing that I've had to understand when I'm forgiving someone, especially if it's someone who has no idea what they've done to me, or they're going to probably do it again. There's something inside of me that needs to forgive, It needs to forgive. The second thing is, forgiveness is not a burden. It's not a burden. Forgiveness, like all of the commands of Jesus, is not meant to burden us. It's meant to liberate us. Forgiving others is for our own good. Forgiveness is not a burden. It's something that liberates us. Louis Smedes, who wrote this book on forgiveness, tells this parable of this married couple. Uh, this married couple that suffer uh, just a terrible betrayal, and, uh, but the husband betrays the wife. And they decide, uh, there's different ways this can go, uh, and they decide uh, to stay together. And as, they, as the wife starts to try to figure out how to forgive this husband, um, what, she, what she realizes is that every moment she thinks about this terrible thing that the husband had done to her, uh, Lewis Mead says there's this angel that appears. This is, a, this is a parable. It says the angel appears and he meets with her and he drops a pebble into her heart. Every time she has this bitter feeling of what the husband did. And day after day, hour after hour, when she thinks about this, this pebble gets dropped into her heart. Just a small little pebble. But after years of, of, of storing up these pebbles, what she finds is that her heart is extremely heavy and it's weighing her down. And one day the angel comes to her to drop another pebble, and she says, I can't bear this anymore. It's way too heavy. What do I do? And the angel says, if you want to be lightened of this load, you have to forgive him for what he's done. She doesn't want to do that, and time goes on, and she continues to have this bitterness inside of her, and it gets heavier and heavier until at some point she realizes she's about to break. And she starts the process of forgiveness. And when, when she wants to, to pursue forgiveness, she just hopes that the angel comes and takes all of the pebbles out of her heart right away. But the angel says, I can't do that. I can only take out one at a time. And every single day you need to wake up and as you decide to forgive him every single day, I will show up and remove a pebble from your heart. And over time, as you pray, over time, as you seek the best for that person, the heart will slowly become lighter. And Smeed says, this is how forgiveness works. It's never been meant to be a burden to us. It's something, that actually, uh, uh, it, it's something that actually relieves us of the weight of the pain that's been done to us. But that takes a lot of time. It's daily waking up and deciding that you're going to forgive. And over time, the heart the heart is healed. Forgiveness is not a burden. It's actually the opposite of it. Forgiveness is also not about forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting what's been done to you. And oftentimes, I think that's a message is we just need to forgive and then forget what's been done. But forgiving, forgiving doesn't necessarily mean forgetting. But it's being able to understand what's happened to you uh, and be healed from the inside, even in the midst of what's happened. Forgiving is also not about tolerance. It's not just saying that what happened to me is okay. I just need to tolerate it. Forgiveness isn't tolerance. And so what happens is when we think about trying to forgive people that we know will hurt us over and over again, um, we think that we allow ourselves to just become a victim. Forgiveness isn't about that, it's understanding the boundaries of what's been done to you and the person that's hurt you, but at the same time, finding renewal from the inside out. So forgiveness is not for the person who hurt us, it's not a burden, it's not about forgetting, and it's not tolerance. But forgiveness is something that we do for ourselves. When I was a young pastor, um, I was sitting in on a meeting. Uh, the lead pastor had called me in, and there was a lady in the church who uh, had started coming, and, and she had gone through pretty significant pain in her life, pain with abuse. And she was trying to try to process, uh, and this was early on in her life, and she was a little older, trying to process how to continue to move forward. And she started sharing her story with us of the pain that had happened to her. And as she started to, to tell this story, I, I remember just sitting there, and thinking, like, I, I don't have any kind of, like, pastor answer for what's happened to her. Like, I, I can't just say, like, God, God's going to use this for the good. And as I had just absorbed this story, I, I, I was just in silence, not knowing what to do and what to say. As she had just kind of shared this unbelievable hurt that was in her life. But I'll never forget what she said as she talked about her healing process of all the things that have been done to her by this person. She started to say, I punish this person. I punish this person every day. She said, I have a dungeon inside of my heart where I keep them in, and that person is in prison. And for the longest time, that person was not getting out. She said, for me to get back at this person, it was so much easier to just, I would just keep them in this dungeon where they were trapped. And through the process of my life, she said, I started to realize something. As I would hold on to this this thing and I would would punish them, uh, when you hold someone in prison, when you have someone in a dungeon, she said, you have to feed them every single day, right? Because you don't want them to have the death sentence. You want them to suffer and you have to keep them alive and you have to keep feeding them. She said, I got to this moment where I realized that I could keep punishing this person but I would have to keep feeding that person. And she said, when I started to learn to forgive, I realized that I was setting this person free, but really, I was finding freedom. Because I no longer had to deal with it. I no longer had to feed this person. And forgiveness has a way of doing that. Forgiveness has a way of, uh, as we let that person out of the dungeon where we're punishing them, we ourselves find freedom. And this is why forgiveness for us isn't about the other person. It's about us. I don't know uh, what you carry. I don't know who you have trapped. I don't know what's been done to you. But if you're like me, if you're like the person next to you, at some point you've probably been wounded you've probably been hurt. Some of you might be in the midst of that hurt right now. Some of you uh, might be processing something from early on in your life. But I think that when Jesus starts to talk about this idea, there's a connection between our salvation and forgiveness. When it comes to eternal life, Jesus wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live whole and put back together. As he starts to talk about this idea of how God has forgiven us in the midst of our brokenness and all of the things that we do, when we come to understand that, we understand the power of forgiveness, we become a forgiving people here on earth. Jesus forgives us. The church is the body of Christ. These agents of forgiveness in this world. We should be students of forgiveness. We should be students of forgiveness. And it's not easy. One of the things that has helped me, and I'll close with this if the band wants to come up, is the power of the cross. When we think of what the cross does, it's this instrument of reconciliation. It's this initiative of God to forgive Us. And when I come to understand what God has done in this world on the cross, I start to understand that God has forgiven me and all of the things that I've done uh, that are just terrible, they're absorbed on the cross by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I get that. But the other thing that I've started to understand when it comes to this idea of forgiveness is that when I want to punish people because of the things they've done to hurt me, when I want to punish them myself, I stop trusting in the justice of God. When I seek revenge, when I seek to trap someone in my dungeon and to be bitter, I have a tendency to even rob the cross of its power because the cross wasn't just for me. But the cross was also for every other person who's done wrong in this world. And the justice of God that we find on the cross, Jesus takes the punishment of the things that other people have done to me as well. So to be a Christian is to trust that the cross doesn't only bring about forgiveness for me, but it brings about forgiveness for those who have done wrong to me. When we understand the power of forgiveness, we're able to release others and trust them to the justice of God. So, whatever it is you might be holding on to right now, the challenge and call of Jesus is to forgive. It's not something that's easy, it's something It's like removing pebbles from your heart. But it's a call to do this in the world. As we close today communion, we do this in remembrance of what God has done for us that offers us forgiveness. The communion represents the body of Christ and the blood that's been poured out of Jesus that brings about our forgiveness. When we do that today, let us go with this idea of as his body, the church? How are we also forgiving others? If you'd like to uh, just take some time to reflect on what forgiveness looks like for you, the call is to reimagine forgiveness for your family. Let's start there. Are there relationships that have been broken and severed that you're in the process of? forgiving? Are there people that you've trapped in a dungeon, but you have to keep feeding them that you need to release? Do you need the pebbles to start being removed from your heavy heart? If you'd like to pray with anyone, we'll have a couple of people in the back that would just love to pray over you, pray with you, whatever you need. If you're comfortable, if you'd like to talk to anyone, if you're in a a situation that is, uh, Dangerous and painful and you, uh, we don't want you to continue to be a victim. If you need someone to talk to, we'd love to counsel. Whatever it is in your heart, let's just take some time to allow God to speak to us. Allow God to guide us and form us into his likeness. Let's take some time and pray and then you can move to communion at both sides. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. Lord, we we hear this challenging passage where you connect forgiveness with salvation. And Lord, we know that we don't earn our salvation by what we do. But we know that there's this deep connection in understanding your heart in this world. And as we become more like you, Lord, as we see the difficult things that you've done in this world. We pray that we would respond with forgiveness, that we would be like you. Lord, this is such a heavy topic that uh, doesn't just easily get taken care of in one moment. But Lord, we would ask that you would start that process here and now, today. Today. we would learn to forgive others as you have forgiven us. So we give you this time, Lord. We give you our hearts, and we ask you to move. your sons, and we pray. Amen.